Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey guys, it is solo episode time. How you doing? Thank you so much for being here. So today I want to talk about how we deal with the other woman in maybe our ex's lives, our soon-to-be ex's lives, and most importantly, the other women in our children's lives. Now, um, if you're in my Facebook group, you know that I have a van. If you're not, you need to get in there. Um, but <laughs> um, if you're in there, you know that I have a very strong stance. If you know me at all, you know that I have a strong stance about how we treat the other woman. So if your husband has cheated on you, if your husband has not cheated on you, um, but has entered into a new relationship, maybe before you're divorced, or even if you're divorced, right? We can have a lot of feelings about this. It can be really, really painful. And what we like to do as humans, right, is to take our pain and turn it outwards. And that often leads to blame and shame and sometimes name-calling and sometimes behaviors that ultimately, in the end, we're not all that proud of. It is a lot harder to process your pain and anger and own your own pain and anger as yours, right? And not blame it on somebody else. That's a, it's, that's a lot harder work to do, but that is the work that makes this entire process worthwhile. Because if we don't do that work, we haven't grown. We haven't learned. I mean, this is, this is baptism by fire, right? This is literally the place where you may have been thrown into this petri dish, I guess, of growth and learning that you never fucking wanted to be in in the first place. It wasn't like you were like, I think I want to go learn some really hard life lessons for God's sake, right? And sometimes it feels like it's never ending and it's just another layer of the onion just keeps peeling off and then there's another one and there's more rawness under each layer and yet like then another one comes off, right? And it's, it's really, it can be so, it, it's, it's so hard and, and exhausting, like emotionally exhausting. But when we take the time to do the hard work, first of all, this is how we avoid repeating patterns right? This is how we keep ourselves from becoming the 68% of second marriages that end in divorce or 74% of third marriages that end in divorce because we just keep kind of, you know, rehashing the same shit over and over and over again, right? If you want to move on, if you're going through something really hard now and you want to move on to a healthy, happy future and relationship, you know, whether it's a relationship with your children, a relationship with your ex or whoever, um, or a new person in your life, you're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to not bypass 
the deep excavation, (laughs) the dark night of the soul, right? And so where this really comes up for us is in how we treat the other woman or the other person in our uh, ex or soon-to-be ex's lives and in our children's lives. So if a woman has had an affair with your husband, she's not a whore. She's not a slut. She's not a, you know, a bitch or any other horrible words you might want to call her. More than likely, she's a woman who's looking for love as much as you were. More than likely, she's believing as many lies as you've been told, right? If, if, if your husband was lying to you about having an affair, he was probably lying to her about, you know, why he was having the affair, justifying the affair, all, all the things, right? Listen, she may not be innocent. She may not be completely innocent, but by you turning your anger and your pain outward on her, it actually prevents you from processing your pain and anger in healthy ways so that you can grow from it. So when you spend your time calling her names, that is time that you're not spending healing because it's a deflection. Well, she's a fucking whore. That's not that's not useful to you. So at every stage of this, I want you to, to think about what's useful to you. What, what is going to facilitate your growth? Because that will not. So that's one thing I really want to address. And I really want to, and, and, and by the way, women do not need to turn on each other ever because together we rise, right? Together we rise. So when we turn on each other and call each other names, we are really, we're creating an environment, a toxic environment of women against women. And, you know, I remember when my boyfriend, when I was 17 years old and he cheated on me and I went to the girl he cheated on and I was 17 (laughs) (laughs) And I was like calling her all the names and we like, you know, we were getting into it like New York City teenagers until we both kind of softened somehow. And we realized that he had been telling us the same lies and that he had been playing us against each other, by the way, playing us off of each other. And telling each of us the same toxic thing about the other. Oh my God, she's crazy. She's a stalker. She won't let me go. Like I've been trying to break up with her for months. He was telling us both the same thing. And so once we banded together, our power was amazing. I'm going to tell you this little story. So we actually got him on the phone together and you know, this is in the old days before we had cell phones. And so she came over to my house and she was sitting in my mom's bedroom on the phone. And I was in my bedroom on the phone and I was sitting on the floor and we could see each other across the hallway. And she pretended not to be on the phone. She was quiet. And I got him on the phone and I said, Rob, I think it's about time that you told me the truth about Ashley. And he was like, baby, I don't know what you're talking about. She's crazy and she's this and she's that. And you know, I love you and blah, blah, blah. And he went on and on and on. And then there was silence and Ashley goes, is that so? 
and he started like cackling like a hyena. Like he was trapped. He was caught. Like there was nothing he could do. But Ashley and I bonded together. And I'll tell you that, to, but we actually, this was my first love, my very first love. And we together helped each other heal. And I'm not suggesting necessarily that you band together with the other woman if there's another woman. I'm just saying that this is the power of women, women t- sticking together. And that when you call the other woman a whore or you blame her for the affair that's happening, first of all, she does not have a vow to you. He does. He's breaking the vow. So put your anger where it's meant to be. If you're staying with your husband and calling this other woman a whore, examine that. Look at that for a minute. Is that, does that really make sense? The man who has the vow to you has cheated on you. You're going to stay with him, but the woman who has no allegiance to you and may or may not actually know any of the truth about your relationship, she's the whore, right? That doesn't, actually make sense. And this is what I mean by it's a barrier, right? Because if you weren't mad at her, you'd have to look at him. If you weren't blaming her for it, you'd have to look at him. So, um, like I said, I'm not suggesting that you band together with the woman who your husband may be having an affair with, but I am suggesting that you don't, don't denigrate her. She's just a woman. We don't know the story. You know, you might know the story. It's possible she's this, you know, she's the town slut or she's, I don't know, whatever the story may be, right? It's her. Anything's possible. But what if you gave her the benefit of the doubt? What if you gave her, through your pain, through your sadness, through your anger, you gave her a little shred of the benefit of the doubt and said, what, what must she have to have believed about me and about my marriage to be sleeping with my husband. And then, you know, ask yourself where she may have gotten that information, you know, and you may not want to be compassionate or empathic towards a woman who may or may not be sleeping with your husband, but it might, you might find yourself with a little compassion and the growth in that is yours. And it's, huge. It opens up a place in you that I'm sure you're, you may not be comfortable or used to going, but I think it's super important. Moving on from this, you know, let's say if you guys have separated and now he's still dating her or he moved in with her or, you know, which is the case for many, many women that I work with and that are in my groups. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that with your children, right? So when your kids come back and they're like, and this is a story I told in my group this week that when I was in, uh, when my I first got divorced and my husband was dating this um, woman, lovely, lovely woman, Sarah. I think this is before I met Sarah, to be honest. And my son would come home from dad's house and tell me all these amazing things that he did with Sarah. (laughs) 
And I was like, inside, I was just just being eaten alive by stories about Sarah. And, you know, the real kicker came when he was like, and for my birthday, Sarah made a whole treasure map and we had a whole treasure hunt and I had presents all over the place. And I, and I fucking hated Sarah. I fucking hated her because she was a better mom than I was. And she wasn't even a mom. (laughs) She was more creative. She was more crafty. And, you know, I hadn't thought of doing a treasure hunt for my son. And here she was doing it all. And I was so annoyed, but the, but, but what I also knew was that she was bringing joy to my son's life. She provided something for my son that I didn't provide for him. And I could choose to be jealous about it, or I could choose to be thrilled that my son had someone in his life occupying a space that I didn't occupy. Because I'm not really crafty. I'm not really um, adventurous when it comes to, like, I'm not creative in that way. I'm creative in many ways. But I don't occupy that space, generally speaking. And here was this woman occupying that space for my son, who was four at the time. I was able to, because I had done so much work on myself, because I was in therapy and I was working through all these feelings and I knew how to process through them and I knew how to get to the, to the underneath layers. I was able to simply be so happy that my son had this experience. I was also able to hold my jealousy and my sadness and my, you know, um, pettiness, right? Cause there was a lot of pettiness that I had in me and I was able to hold that, but I was able to keep it away from my son and just be able to say to my son, Oh my gosh, that sounds like so fun. Tell me what was the treasure? Where did you, what were the presents? Where did she hide them? M- meanwhile, these were, she was hiding them in my house. She had moved into my house and you know, he's telling me that, you know, she hid them in this flower bed that I planted or, you know, in this kitchen cabinet that was mine or whatever, right? And, but I, you know, the bottom line here is that the more people to love your kids, the better. If they are showing up and they're loving your kids and if they're, even if they're going too far with it, if they're overstepping, you know, maybe they're buying birthday presents that's like maybe a little inappropriate. Maybe they're buying too big a birthday present. Just think about what it's like to be the other person. I heard at a conference this past weekend, this woman said, nobody, dr- you know, dreams as a little girl of becoming a stepmom, <laughs> right? That's not a dream we have. Um, but it is the reality for many of us. And when we get into that situation, we're tra- we're just trying to figure it out. We're just trying to figure out where we belong. And very often, we don't get to have conversations with the biological mom to figure out where we fit and how we fit. So we're just kind of winging it. And if someone is showing up to love your kids, fuck yes to that. Fuck yes. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to, but, but I want you to show up for your kids as if this is a fucking great thing. And 
I was talking to Katie Thompson yesterday on the phone, who was my guest in last week's episode. She's become a dear friend and she's very active in our Facebook group. And, you know, Katie was talking about the difference between how children process neutrality. So even if you think you're being neutral, even if when your kid comes to you and says like, oh my God, you know, Sarah created this incredible treasure hunt for me and it was so great and it was so exciting. And if you're, if you remain neutral, even if you think you're being neutral, children process neutrality as negativity. So if you're, if your response to your kid coming to you super excited is the, oh, that's, that's great. Well, first of all, I think any adult, (laughs) even an adult would be like, oh, I did something wrong. I did something wrong, right? Can you imagine you go to your best friend and you're like, oh my God, I went to this party and it was so much fun and I met this boy and blah, 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 blah. And your best friend is neutral and says, that's nice. You would think that she had a negative thought about it. Or if she said, oh, oh, okay. You would still feel like she was not supportive. Right? Because the only response, when you're, when you go to share something with someone and you're kind of excited about it, you're only, re- you're, if you don't, if someone, the other person doesn't respond with excitement, you think there's something wrong. Right? And these are children. And you're also dealing, if a kid comes to you and says, you know, the other woman did this or, you know, isn't it cool that I'm going to have two mommies or, you know, whatever else, whatever it is. They're already, think about the fact that they're already navigating something really fucking weird and confusing. They're already feeling like they're not sure if this is okay. And then if you respond, even neutrally, you confirm for them that this isn't okay. And then they start to feel like they have to choose between the two of you. And that if they feel excited and happy about something that this other woman is providing for them, they feel guilty about that. And they feel shame about that. And then they don't want to talk to you about it because they feel guilty and ashamed. And so you're actually driving a wedge between you and and your children. So, you know, like I said in the beginning of this, this is hard shit. This is not easy. I am not telling you to be Pollyanna-ish about this and, you know, and, and not process your feelings, but I am telling you to go process your feelings with a therapist, with your coach. Hello, that's me. And to really, really, really look at where you can expand your capacity to be with really hard and conflicting feelings. Because at the end of the day, this is what grownups do. This is what processed mature adults have to do. We have to do this hard work because we're parents. We don't have a choice. You know, if you want to be, you know, a totally immature 45-year-old without without kids, fine, go for it. I don't give a shit. But if you're a mom, it's part of our job to expand our capacity to be with uncomfortable and difficult and conflicting feelings and process them in appropriate ways so that we can show up for our kids in the best and healthiest way possible. That's all I have to say on this, I think. I look forward to a rich discussion about this. I want to say that I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you guys showing up for these really difficult conversations with me. Um, I know it's not, this isn't a conversation necessarily, (laughs) 
but I really appreciate you showing up. Uh, we are having conversations like this in my Facebook group. We are. And the link to that is in the show notes. If you go into Facebook and you search, should I stay or should I go? That is the Facebook group. Uh, a lot of people try to join the Divorce Survival Guide Facebook group. That is the client only group. And so I have to, I have to reject you. <laughs> and I'm sorry. If you've tried to join and, and have been rejected, you've, you joined the wrong group. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link on the homepage of my website, kateanthony.com. But if you go into Facebook and you search, should I stay or should I go? The group will come up for you. It's got an or a yellow banner. You'll recognize my brand colors, probably the yellow and the blue. And um, that's where over 1,500 women are having these kinds of rich conversations and doing this really, really important work to deepen and expand their conversations uh, around co-parenting, separation, and divorce. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.